When it comes to maximizing time in the uplands, without fail, Onyx Hunt is my most valuable tool. From planning my next hunt through a new bird cover to navigating in the field, Onyx Hunt is truly with me wherever I go. With detailed mapping and satellite imagery, along with a multitude of map layers from land access to forestry and habitat information and easy-to-use tools to mark, measure, and catalog important information, Onyx Hunt seamlessly integrates digital scouting with boots-on-the-ground time in the field. With offline mapping and Apple CarPlay integration, you are free to explore the wild landscapes our beloved upland birds inhabit. Planning your next move in the uplands begins with knowing where you stand, and for me, that starts and stops with Onyx Hunt. Download the Onyx Hunt app today and use the promo code BSP20 to save 20% on your Onyx Hunt subscription. When the miles rack up faster than your flush count, that's when you'll truly appreciate your hunting vest from Final Rise. Built for the uplands and proudly sewn in the USA, the complete lineup of hunting vests from Final Rise, from their all-new Summit XT down to the minimalist Sidekick system, are all built upon the foundational load-bearing waist belt and low-profile shoulder strap system, which allow you to carry all the gear you need and do so comfortably while maintaining your ability to move freely and perform when you need to most. With a complete lineup of accessories and newly released performance field apparel, Final Rise has the gear you need to help you get the most out of every mile and every flush. Final Rise gear is built for the uplands. Get yours today at FinalRise.com. This episode of the Birdshot Podcast is presented by Onyx Hunt, Final Rise, and Upland Gun Company. On this episode of the show, we finish up our Grouse and Grouse Dog conversation with Kyle Warren. Thanks for tuning in to episode number 252. All right, welcome back to the Birdshot Podcast. Thanks for joining us for another episode. We're going to finish our conversation with Kyle Warren today, dive a little bit deeper into the grouse dog component of the equation on today's show. We'll get to that in just a moment. I want to thank Patreon patrons of the Birdshot Podcast, those of you out there making voluntary contributions in support of the show to keep these conversations coming your way. Your support is greatly appreciated. This time of year is always a reminder to be thankful for things, and I am thankful for all of the Patreon patrons out there supporting this show. They're eligible for Patreon giveaways. We do some bonus content and we get everybody some Birdshot podcast can coolers and stickers. You can learn more and sign up at patreon.com forward slash Birdshot. We're going to move into the episode right away here today. I don't have much for other updates. It's the end of the year. We're winding down. Haven't decided yet if this will be the last episode of 2023. It might. I've got the next episode ready to go, but whether or not that goes up next Friday before New Year's Eve, I have not decided yet. So this one should keep you busy for a while. Part two of our conversation with Kyle Warren, expanding on some of the topics around grouse dogs, tracking, relocating, approaching points, the excitement of hunting ruffed grouse with a trusty bird dog. I will wish you all a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Just to be safe, I hope you find some time to get a field and perhaps ring in the new year with an upland bird hunt of your own. I will be doing so as well in these unusually mild winter temps, if you could call it winter. 
doesn't quite feel like it yet. So take care, everybody. Safe travels. Once again, happy holidays. And let's jump back in and welcome into the conversation and on to the Birdshot Podcast, Kyle Warren. Okay, let's transition to dogs a little bit. And and really, like, you know, we've talked about sort of the tracking and true dogs before. Like, the whole point of this wasn't to have an, uh, another breakdown of, of all of that. But I've just been, like, I think we talked about it last time. Like, my younger setter, Rose, has has shown an ability to kind of hot track and, and mm-hmm. really stay with birds and relocate them. And she's been doing it again this year. And it's it's really enjoyable. So, I like, I just had some had some questions and stuff around. I guess I'll just jump in with like when it comes to a dog that can that can follow a bird how much a how much variation do you see in the ability of one dog one dog to another dog in following it is that, is that like totally a you you mentioned earlier like the nose is one thing but it's it's the brain that's that's maybe the separator like how much variation do you see and again, not so much tracking versus true, but just like in from one dog to another, the ability to follow and relocate grouse consistently. So the very first podcast that we did together, a Project Upland podcast, I made the statement, or you, you asked the question, you know, something like, you know, what do you say of people uh, that, uh, you know, says, uh, you know, tracking dogs aren't good grouse dogs. And I said then that I would say that they haven't hunted over a good one yet. Right. So, I mean, I think it comes down to that more so. Right. So I love my dogs to take a bull for any one of them. Uh, I weep when I, you know, sell dogs that are good dogs, but they're not, they're not program quality dogs, you know, when, when they depart, when they're older and stuff. So the dogs that I have here, you know, can all get the job done very well, but you know, all dogs aren't created equal. So statistically, I mean, I guess that's, that's, that's hard to say for me, like at at this point, I think, I think the way that I kind of evaluate tracking dogs, you know, and probably for the sake of time, the, what would be good, you, maybe you can find the, uh, uh, two years ago, whatever those podcast numbers are on the birdshot list there, because we, we define in great detail there, how I kind of break down all the different how I categorize all the different types of dogs, but, uh, to just to summarize, to get to your answer, you know, when you, when I say a true dog or a tracking dog, um, again, they can all do the same job differently. Right. So I have dogs that hypothetically speaking in a, in a, in a 150 yard track are only going to maybe stop and point three times, you know, because they're just a faster working dog that, you know, that's their, that's their manner, that's their method, you know? And then I have dogs that a 150 yard track are going to stop 20 times. Okay. Uh, combination, they're more cautious than bold. They might have a more potent nose. So for a, 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 a variety of reasons, they might, uh, you know, my, my three primetime age girls right now and Nami, Nami and Miko, they're all of them are wildly different, uh, in their style. And they're all premium tracking dogs. Miko's my fastest tracker. She's the dog, like I said, that like probably like 
three, maybe four times on a 150-yard track. Is she going to stop? She's a very fast-working, tracking-style dog. But I would say she only finds maybe 50% of her grouse via tracking. The rest are by scent cones. And that's because dogs that move a little quicker, you know, are going to tend to pick up air scent faster, better, and more likely than than uh, the ground scent game as well. But she okay. she's an amazing tracker, but she works quickly. And therefore, half her birds she finds by scent cones still. Whereas we'll say like Name, uh, I would say 80% of her birds, you know, 70 to 80% of her birds, she finds by tracking. She's kind of like a moderate-paced dog. Uh, how fast they go in their search means a lot. Like most of my dogs, uh, by most, I mean almost all of them, like the best trackers don't run when they hunt. They, they kind of lope or fast trot and they do that. You know, I mean, it's their character, it's their nature, it's, it's who they are in terms of their constitution, but the intelligent ones do it because they know that is the speed that they can catch the ground game and the air game at the same time. So, so when you get that dog that's, you know, over the course of the first hour, that's, you know, you look at your GPS and they're like, you know, six miles an hour or slower, you know, that's a dog that, you know, can, and it's a tracking dog. That's a dog that can really take advantage of all the scent everywhere on the ground, in the air. And then it, then, you know, the next layer of it with the dog is, again, how potent is their nose? What is their temperament? Miko is tracking dogs typically are all cautious, largely so. But yep. let's just say for the sake of like getting to the point of handling them, you know, she's 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 less cautious and, and more bold or, as I would say, less afraid of failure. <laughs> and uh, uh, Name. um she kind of just like tools along while she's in a search, you know, she's just in a, she's in a trot, like a cat stretching trot. Once she's into her track, she's fast as hell. You know, she's flies up her track in in 30 yard intervals and like nail biting. I think she's going to bump the bird kind of thing, but never does, you know, yeah. cause she knows we got to catch, we got, we got to catch up to that bird, you know, but she's very tedious, not tedious. She's very methodical in looking for grouse scent anywhere you know while she's in search mode and then i got one of my other you know top girls inami she's a detective she's very very tedious very meticulous a lot of people would not like hunting with her and i'm a fast-paced hunter in general with my experienced dogs but you just gotta you gotta you gotta let that tracking dog you have to learn how the tracking dog you have on the ground you can get the most out of and you know, with that dog, you know, she'll, she wants to triple check things. She'll circle an area three to five times when she, she'll stop, wait for me to get there because she's got first scent. And then she'll kind of circle around a few times to like verify in her head that, okay, we're going this way. And then once we're going, we're going. And, you know, she might be, if it's multiple birds she's tracking at the same time, those tracks take longer because the birds aren't like, you know, the buddy system holding wings with each other, right? They're, they're kind of weaving out and around and on my website actually i i I have i don't know if i got on my home page or you have to go like the dams page to look but i i actually did get two really nice tracks one of nami and one of inami you can see the the difference now inami's tracking two birds 
what turned out to be two birds and hers. So it's kind of a little more sidewindy. Name is tracking one bird that's just running very linear away from us. Uh, but both of those, both of those, uh, videos that are only like a couple minutes long each, both of those videos, you can, they picked up trail scent on those. Now there was never any air scent in those equations and they're just following the track. And when we get to that end point, you know, it's, it's that's, that's a stopping point because they know we're close to the bird. You know, so those are actually great videos. Uh, some of my better videos to date and um, hope to get many more, but they're the, on your web, like anybody could see those. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Those are, uh, yeah. I, I, I don't know if, how Tanif, uh, but Name and Inami are the dogs. They're definitely on the dams pages. They might be on homepage. I'm not sure, but they won't be hard to find if okay. you look around there, but they're great videos. I posted them on my social media too, back like just before Thanksgiving, but, uh, yeah, so it it, ju- it just depends, but there's good ones and there's 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 bad ones, and the the bad ones don't stay here. I got a young dog uh, here. It's Nami's daughter, uh, Gitchy. Man, she's doing great. I mean, she's pointing like ninety percent of her contacts. I, I couldn't be happier with her. It's kind of technically her first season. Uh, at just uh, uh, like what is she now? Sixteen months old, something like that. And uh, she's doing great. And she's a tracking dog, but she hasn't had a track yet. She's too excited. She's like, she's a pretty fast paced dog. She's yep. too, ex- she's not focused enough to follow track to bird. So she's handling 90% of her birds, but they've all been like scent cone finds. She's done some great tracking, but it hasn't resulted in, it hasn't really resulted in the tracking sequence that, that I'm looking okay. for. So she's doing amazing, but I am absolutely not happy with how she's doing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so I mean, I, I like I'm looking at her numbers and everything, stats, and like she's like passing everything, but she's just not, she's not doing it in the way that I want. But there's there's reasons why, you know, I, you know, like that, like yeah, uh, she's a little bit more rangy, you know, fast pace. You know, those are the dogs. Like my trackers, I just like there's like we talk about flushes and contacts, and those two numbers can be different. You know, uh, with my trackers, they're there is there is close to the same number as you're ever going to get you know with my good trackers you know now certainly later season yeah sure you get some wild flushes out of trees in the distance you know stuff like that i mean it happens but in terms of i take a whole season and i look at it and i look at all the true dogs i've had in trackers and people seem to forget that i've had as many or more true dogs and i have trackers in my whole career you know, the number of flushes and contacts are more closer to the same number with, with my trackers. So like when I look at a young dog like Gitchy, who's handling like 90% of her bird, her contacts very well, but the flushes, wild flushes out of that I'm kicking up because like I'm standing there waiting and like she's searching over to the, to the right of me, 50 yards, right? And I'm just standing there kind of waiting for her to come back in front because, you know, golden rule, like, you know, don't ever get mad at a dog, but they're not, definitely don't ever get mad at a dog when you're kicking up birds in an area that they never covered, you know? Yeah, so, right. so you get that where like where the dog's searching, searching well, searching hard, but you got the bird like, you know, 10 to 20 yards to your left when the dog's to your right and that bird eventually feels your pressure, right? And the dog's yep. just starting to come back and the bird senses and hears and feels that dog coming back over and it gets out of there before the dog can work it. Like, those situations just happen so seldom when I have my 
good trackers, you know? So those are, those are perspectives that I look at too, you know, when I'm looking at the dogs, uh, but following, following a track to the end, if a dog is showing the propensity to track and they're tracking, but they're just not finding birds like almost ever or seldom one, I would question, are they actually following, are they following a snowshoe hare? Are they following a bird? Right. I mean, I, I don't ever, uh, I mean, my dogs will point hares. I don't ever shoot them. And they know, like, like if they're on a bird track and, and, and I see a snowshoe hare race across in front of us perpendicular to the track they're working, they don't get off the track, you know, but if they, they'll scent comb point a snowshoe hare, like if it's there, you know, but, uh, you know, I, I think that's, that would be the thing that you would have to, you would have to look at, but how often do my good dogs come up empty? you know, on, on a track because whether the bird flushed, the trail went cold or something like that. I don't have that statistic, but I would, I would very comfortably say, I don't know, I would guess 70 to 80% of the time we at least get a flush, you know, at the end of our tracks, 70 to 80%. And keep in mind, it depends. Like some of my dogs, like, again, I, I label them as cold nosed dogs. Some of the the cold nosed dogs are the are the dogs that you know would would fall into that seventy percent category, you know, just because like they're just smelling stuff that's too old. At yeah. That point. Yep. Yeah. 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 So. Yeah, that's man. There's a lot of lot of stuff in there, and could go no, any direction. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but I, you know, I did wonder too, because obviously my sample size is small, just with my two dogs, and they're they're very different in in the way that you know Hartley very rarely and this is like the point I'm trying to get as like this the dog can sort of give off this sense of connectedness to the bird like with it with with what I imagine some of your tracking dogs and maybe some of the slower ones the more cautious ones like you know it feels like they're pointing like the, the whole way almost right with the stealthy relocate and like you know they're on the track versus uh let's just say i'll just say a true dog for example that kind of like he's either pointing or he's running so he's pointing or Mm -hmm. he's running they just that dog doesn't that dog might still follow a grouse and hartley will do it from time to time where he he points the same bird what i believe to be the same bird two or three times before we get a flush but it's that in between he's very rarely doing that stealthy relocate what like indicating to me like hey i'm following a bird here it's more like sure i'm i'm going from pointing to to hunting so a, a lot of what you said there made sense to me and and again i that's just the one thing that i really noticed the difference between my two dogs and then if i were to stack them up against each other like rose she finds and points more birds than hartley yeah. but <laughs> Is that because of her style? Is that just because she's has a better nose or something? Like you know, those are yeah. the things, the questions that I'm left with, I guess. Sure. Well, you know, uh, I, I listened to before uh, we we're talking. I listened to you and Nick uh, talking about that l- recent half hour uh, on our little episode. bonus episode. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah the philosophers. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> you know, so I, I had. Uh, I said, "Oh man, if I if I talk to Nick, you know, I, I gotta say a couple things, but." You know, just on the, on the, so my experience with, with the various types of dogs and the reason why I have them again, you know, love them or hate them, you know, uh, you know, I, I kill well-handled 
birds over my dogs every day, you know, and I did so with my true dogs as well. But statistically, there is there was for me personally, there is zero comparison in the number of birds they find, you know, compared to my true dogs. And as or more importantly, the number of shot opportunities that they create for me. So and just to be clear, like, cause I, like I sort of know where you've, you're like, you're getting more fines and more opportunities off of what you're, you're tracking off of dogs. the tracking dogs. Yeah. yeah. That's why yeah. I have them. I mean, I, I, I literally for 20 years of breeding them and selecting them right now in my kennel of dogs that I own in house and breeding race dogs on the program, they're all tracking style dogs. And that's not coincidence. I've, I've just, I've had amazing true dogs and I know how to work them well to make them very effective, you know, but they, they, I have to, I have to work that dog more and differently to, to, to get those types of coverage and fines and stuff. I mean, it's, you know, uh, a good quality tracking dog, again, still points a scent cone like any bird dog should and could, you know, it's just, it doesn't matter if there's no, no wind, you know, lots of wind. It's just like the ground game, having the ground game available is an asset to the dog. And it's how wolves and coyotes and foxes find the majority of their food. I mean, it's, it's an intelligent way to find it. It's, it, it, again, it's, it's a different way. And it requires, you don't have to teach a tracking dog to track, you know, that's some question I get asked all the time, you know, like it, it's genetic. It's the other thing I hear you two saying, well, if Harley, Harley will never, ever do what Rose does and you will never be able to teach her to do it, you know, yeah, um, I, I, you know, I, at this point, just, I would never assume that yeah, he could. Yeah. He, if he saw a million grouse, you know, and you were trying to get him to do it, you know, he will maybe, you know. Uh, if we consider him a incredibly, incredibly intelligent, biddable dog and you practiced constantly, you would get him to do it. He will never do it well. It's not his default setting genetically, you know? Yeah, yeah. And when we talk about working dogs and stuff, you look at their default settings. I mean, it's why breeding is so important, you know, because you look like these, you know, whatever the work is, whether it's a herding dog, a bird dog, a, a military, you know, detector dog, whatever it is, it's. You know, because once the going gets tough, their def- the genetic default settings come to the surface, you know, beyond all training. You know, what is the what are those default settings? And like we were talking uh, earlier in this uh, conversation, probably part one of this conversation, you know, what's nice about working a dog as much as we're able to throughout a whole season is all the environmental changes, you know. So you really get to see what dogs what dogs got and what dogs don't, you know, yeah. what dogs need ideal conditions and what dog can produce good birds, what dogs can produce birds with good dog work, you know, uh, routinely. And, you know, with the, with the tracking dogs, it's, it's just, uh, you know, again, there's good ones and there's bad ones. And to me, the bad ones are more independent. You know, you mentioned how, uh, like how connected the dog is. Well, I think of every trait, right as uh, having a spectrum right a scale and yeah to me you know i don't believe that a person can say that my dog hunts for the gun unless they're unless they've had their dogs in the grouse woods <laughs> because you need to uh, 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 there's a big difference between a dog that hunts for the gun and a dog that has a lot of point like just because your dog goes out finds birds 
and points and holds birds doesn't mean it's hunting for the gun. It's just, it has a lot of point. A dog that, a dog that can't see you without checking in a, a dog that, a dog that gets sent and is a tracking style dog and won't advance a certain distance until you're there with it. To me, that defines hunting for the gun. So, you know, on a spectrum of hunting for the gun trait, to me, quality tracking dogs are a 10, you know, on a scale of one to 10, 10 being the most hunting for the gun, you know? So, I mean, I could, I think I told Nick this, I don't remember who, who I told what to, but you know, I could, what's the difference between a lot of German dogs and, and a good quality tracking setter. I could see my dog acquire trail and, uh, wait for me. And then I can go up there. And as soon as I get up there, they'll start to work up the trail and I'll just stand there and I could stand there all day and they will not go up that trail without me. You know, that whatever that dog's distance is, whether it's 20 yards or 40 yards, they're not going to move until they know I'm moving with them. Whereas you take like the German dog, that's a great tracker. And, you know, that's the biggest issue that I'll, biggest complaint that I'll get, you know, uh, is that like, they might be amazing trackers and great meat dogs, but you got to keep up with them, you know, and that's the, that's probably the hound influence in, in your versatile breeds. Right. You know, so they're just more independent in their tracking. Like they're going to go and hopefully if it's a really, if it still has a lot of point, they're going to get to the end of that track, wherever that bird decided to hunker down eventually, you know, and, and and stop and then you you catch up to it but they're not gonna they don't care that you stopped yeah my dogs aren't gonna go until i am right there with them you know so to me that's hunting for the gun that defines hunting for the gun a dog that can range you know 80 200 yards and to the best of your knowledge is pointing every bird that it smells and holding those birds and you get there and you produce a flush eight out of ten times when you get there that's not hunting for the gun. That's just a dog that has a lot of point, you know, and has some good bird sense. Right. You know, so, yeah. so that, that means a lot. So when you start talking about like the connection to the bird and like the invisible strings, that's pulling on the handler and pulling on the bird to get the, the, the dog, the bird and the, and the gunner all together like that, you know, that's, that's a real, that's a real special dog. And it's a, and it's a, it's a, it's a different hunt, but there's all different kinds of trackers. You know, that's, that's important that our yeah. previous, our previous conversations that we've had really are, you know, you did a really good job of asking those questions and, and, uh, we really went into that in detail there. So that definitely for listeners that they haven't listened to those two episodes, they definitely should, because that, that really, uh, breaks that, that particular subject matter down really good. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. And again, I do the your the difference the, the fact that you're seeing you know tracker even trackers what you would classify as tracking dogs they they're going about it differently and that that paints it really clear for me like you know let's say 150 yard track you've got some dogs that are going to point three times and then you have other dogs that point 20 times that's a distinction and the connectedness part too like that you're coming like i what i was really meaning there is the like the dog showing me that it's working the same bird over that over that distance uh-huh. and that's something yep. that that rose does really well and and yeah and or at least has has started to versus a dog that and, and th- that was going to be my question for you do you have true dogs like i know where you stand on the tracking versus true but 
do you have true dogs that like have ever shown you an ability to follow the same point, the same grouse, follow the same grouse over that period, even though they're not like giving you that indication, like, Hey, I'm sort of like on this track. So does that make sense to you? Yeah. The, the, I mean, I'll just, I'll, I can give you a, a couple examples of, and you know, I don't like to use the word relocate, but I'll give you a, a <laughs> I'll give you a couple well, examples. Why don't you like to use the word relocate? Well, again? I don't know. I feel like, I feel like, uh, how can you relocate something that you've never actually found yet is my oh, okay, big, okay. big thing, you know, like, so like to me, you know, a, a relocate would be like finding a bird you flushed already, you know? <laughs> but, well, you, you know, know what? Well, the, this is know. interesting. I'll just, I'll just throw this in there because I think the word relocate makes sense to me because of I originally approached this through like the lens of a true dog thinking like, okay, my dog is pointing a bird at 10 yards and maybe he points the same bird again at 10 yards. And, and that's where they're relocated. Like he found it once, he found it twice, he found it three times. But like, if you totally sort of leave that aside and then think tracking dog, like your dog's are finding the track so like they're maybe a hundred yeah. yards away from the bird and they're not finding the same bird that they're moving with kind of thing like they're working there so that that makes sense yeah. to me why you would yeah make i that mean distinction. so for and especially this time of year and a lot of my so here's a classic situation that happens with my like last hunt of the day hunt you know dog goes on point standing tall Wait, not a lot of intensity, but standing tall, tail up, head in the air. Uh, but I can tell it is kind of waiting for me, right? So we get there. Yep. So it's, it's old scent, not a scent. Like if they're standing tall like that and it's a scent cone, I can see the rigidity. I can see, I can see like, oh, okay, you know, this, this, this could very well could be a, a tree bird right here or just like a, just in general, a, you know, a scent cone fine. But I get up there as soon as I get up, you know, within a few feet of them, boom, they start to track ahead. And the profile of the dog classically like sinks as we get hotter scent. And then it ends in a set, you know, in a cluster of conifers. And it's, you know, a half hour to an hour before dark. Right. And so it was old scent. The bird wasn't like right there originally. And this might happen over 50 to 250 yards this track. But it started off with a, with a high profile point. And it ends in a super rigid scent with the, with the dog all torqued up on the ground, just saying like, bird is around here, you know, flush is imminent, you know, kind of thing. And then, you know, we get a flush out of a tree that's within, you know, 20 yards or less, you know, that happens like every single end of the day hunt where there's birds in the cover for my tracking dogs, you know, and it was a track the whole way there until maybe at the end, you know, it had some air scent, but there's lots of tracks that the dogs, these dogs are just pointing the ground odor. And based on the age of that odor is based on the intensity and, and posture style and profile of that, of that dog that, that we're reading. So if I look at my true dogs, my best true dogs that I've ever had, Inami's, uh, father Zingos probably, uh, definitely one of my top three that I've had in my life. He, if I gave him his head, he was a 50 to 100 yard true dog. Casting blasting all the time. He was a six and a half to seven and a half mile an hour dog, cannon of a nose. And uh, 
and my true dogs, like my trackers, if they're far off the bird, they're standing tall. And if they're real close to the bird, they would still hit the deck and go for a set, you know? So Zingos, you know, he'd be out there 70 yards, beep on point. All right. So we, you know, <laughs> take a week of vacation so we can get out 70 yards in the grouse woods, right? That's how long it takes to get there sometimes. So we get there and, you know, super true dog, man, that dog's on point nine out of 10 times. You're going to produce a flush off of that point. Don't know what direction it's coming from because I had to, you know, have a vision quest to get there. But, you know, nonetheless, uh, you read the dog's body language, you do what you can. So in that 10% of the time, there's not a bird there. And I can't produce that flush, you know, or let's just say that scent path, that scent cone is changed direction. Now he's just waiting for me to get there, right? To go back into search mode. So either those two situations happen. I release him or he really releases himself. That dog would, what I call the catwalk, would like stretch out his front legs um, and like drop his, his height, his profile, maybe be able, like 20 to 30%, stretch his nose out like somebody put a fish hook in the end of his nose and pulled it forward. And he would basically hot air scent track to his what what you would call a relocate okay yeah yeah and then and that would and that would be within 20 to 50 yards and the bird would always be there 100 percent of the time okay so he was somewhat of a two-dimensional true dog if you will if you reference earlier conversation so yeah but he never really stuck his nose on the ground but he had a cannon of a nose the bird was Within probably 15 to 20 yards at the time he went on point, it took me the time to get there, sometimes a few minutes. And the scent was still like in the air, on the vegetation, you know, there that between his nose potency and, you know, his his thoughtful cautiousness, he was able to trail that bird to where it was and reestablish point, you know, and the birds that he did that with are the birds that more times than not are the ones that I killed because I was there with the dog when it happened, you know? Yeah. 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 So yeah, that follow up. Yeah. So those 10% of the birds had a much higher harvest rate than the birds that I'm trekking all the way. And then I would get the flush on. But so again, that just makes my brain over time. Think about like the different types of dogs and stuff like that. So yeah. that was one dog. Another dog that's probably, uh, the best one that I ever had. I was, she was more like nine and a half out of 10 times, uh, pixel. She was a one-dimensional true dog. And man, that dog, if she went on point, there was a bird there all the time. Again, 150 uh, to 100-yard dog. But uh, that dog would go back in the search mode. Like if I didn't produce a flush, which is incredibly seldom with that dog. If I didn't produce a flush, you know, and I and I sent her ahead or she went ahead, she like just cast it back in the search mode. Right. And, right. and never screwed up. I mean, she found it, but she went back into search mode. Like she didn't have scent. Like she was on that point, you know, and if it was 5% of the time that that was the case, that was what it was. You know, she'd go back into search mode. She would not bump the bird. She'd find the bird within, you know, 50 yards or less, go back on point. And and that was her. She's that one dimensional dog that just was super, super reliable that way. I mean, the one, the one dog that I could be following a track for 200 yards 
with her littermate sister, who was one of the most cautious, stealthy, tedious trackers of all time. Um, and I run those two as a brace a lot. I would leave her widget and she would just stop because I left her and she would stay there. And I would walk 120 yards in the opposite direction because we just left pixel in the dust on this track to go to a pixel point because I know there was a bird there. Yeah. And then I would come back to widget after we dealt with that and we would continue the track, <laughs> you know, you know, so like, it's just, it just depends on the dog, but you know, it's, you really like your dog to the extent that you described her. She is a true dog, but she, you know, she has a very, you know, careful brain when, you know, when you get the, when you get those hot tracks. So it just, it yeah. depends, it depends on, on the dog, but I do not see a lot of two dimensional true dogs like stick their nose to the ground and do like real, real tracking. You know, they just, they usually don't, they're not careful enough in their speed to facilitate that possibility most of the time. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's interesting. And I would say that's maybe one of the things I've noticed most about Rose. So she's three, this is her fourth hunting season. She showed me in her first year that she had an ability to, it surprised me. Like I just hadn't seen, like she was following grouse, relocating, whatever. So I've been paying attention to it ever since this year in particular, I feel like she's gotten even more meticulous in like doing some of the things. And again, I'm not trying to like put a a label on her. Like, oh, she's sure she's reached tracking level status. This is just like what I'm seeing her do. She's I feel like she's slowing down even more than she has in the past couple years. And is like I will see her sniffing the ground and moving around and falling. And again, I'm just like soaking it all up, just like watching watching it and. Obviously, I have enough experience with her at this point to know, like, I got a pretty good chance of of maybe getting a shot at a grouse when she's on the ground doing this kind of stuff. So it's it's just all observation yeah. for me at this point. But man, the the styles, and again, that going back to that spectrum, like you said, the yeah. differences in in how dogs sort of learn and develop on grouse and and what they're genetically predisposed to do, it's it's hard to, hard to label things, you know. Like it's just there's a lot of variation in it. There's a lot of variation and, and I mean, I get that question all the time. I mean, you know, even with all the dogs here being trackers at this point, you know, you breed to a tracker to a tracker, you're not guaranteed to get a tracker because, you know, they still got true dogs in their pedigree, you know, but I would, I would say when I breed my trackers to trackers, there's like an 80% chance or greater that the puppies are going to be a tracker, but they, you know. A lot of people, like if they've had a handful of dogs and maybe a couple different breeds, you know, maybe they've had a tracker and that, and, and that particular person, that was their favorite kind of dog they had, you know, so that's what they want. And, and then I have to kind of explain to them, well, okay, you're very likely to get a tracking dog, but it might not track like that dog that you had, sure. you know, it's, it, it, it could be, it could be, you know, slow, medium and fast, you know, and, and how, how it integrates its tracking with you and how much you have to integrate yourself into its tracking, you know? So you, it's gonna, there, there is a, you know, there's a different story there for, you know, a handful of different stories there for depending upon the dog that you're dealt in front of you, you know, you don't, I don't ever make a dog 
try to track a certain way in terms of handling the bird. I just put a very few limited governing factors in there for the faster paced dogs. Um, so, you know, they learn more quickly that a bird in the bag occurs based on this being a team sport and not an independent sport. And the bitability of that in a tracking setter is much higher than a continental breed or versatile breed that, again, they're, they're not by design necessarily that way without selective breeding that is going to take a, a lot, uh, considering it's hard, at least in this country, to to find people that are selecting for that to a high enough degree to have any consistency with it. Yeah. Gearing up for your next hunt? Check out Ugly Dog Hunting Company for all your dog supply needs. Ugly Dog Hunting carries a full line of products for your bird dog and even some for you. Whether you're looking for dog collars, GPS tracking devices, kennels, beds, leads, training equipment, or first aid supplies, Ugly Dog Hunting carries it and a whole lot more. New owner of the company and Fred of the Bird Shop podcast, Mike Nadusky, loves to remind me that while I do hunt with pretty dogs, every dog can be an ugly dog. Check out the entire selection of gear for you and your bird dog at UglyDogHunting.com. For many upland hunters, along with their passion for dogs, birds, and the places we chase them, comes a passion for shotguns. Upland Gun Company specializes in customizing shotguns for the upland bird hunter imported from Italy and shipped direct to an FFL near you. Select from one of their side-by-side or over-under shotgun platforms and customize the fit, function, and aesthetics to your liking. Design and build your next upland hunting shotgun with Upland Gun Company today. Visit UplandGunCompany.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, so uh, man, we could. I'm gonna I'm gonna ask a question. It's like a little bit of a segue, but it's not really. Sure. It's it's on this. Yeah. It's on this topic, and this is a this is a uh, a question that I wrote down myself as I was driving home from a from a hunt a couple weeks ago. I was like, I gotta ask Kyle this. And and it was right after our last contact of the day. I was hunting Rose and she went on point in the middle. I was gonna ask you about this earlier too. 
I know you like to hunt alders. This time of year, mm-hmm. I really like. I like to. I mean, I like to have alders around all year long. It's it's similar to a lot of this stuff. Like I don't really change things a whole lot. But mm-hmm. anyways, this time of year, you get the alders with that white swamp grass underneath. I mean, I think the birds love to be in there, and I think they run a lot in there. Yeah. And Rose goes on point in the middle of these alders, and I go out there, and I nothing produces, and she's get real good. Like she's holds point for me to get to this 110 yards or whatever, and then she goes like it's it's obvious. Like okay, yep, she's she's moving now because the bird's not here. Mm-hmm. And we followed and she's pointing and moving and pointing and moving and we're going through this and we followed basically down this whole alder run. I think it was like ended up being like a 150 yard little track and w- I never could get ahead of the bird. So mm-hmm. Rose was moving and pointing and I never got ahead of the bird and I every time she goes on point I'm trying to get in front of her and eventually I did and I was in front of her and I kind of looked back towards her and the bird flushed beyond me. He was still further out ahead. So Rose was, she was pointing this bird far enough back that I just couldn't, I mean, maybe there was just no heading it off. Mm -hmm. That gets me to my, that gets me to my question. I'm just going to read this. Do you think the pace of the dog influences whether or not and how much the bird runs? For instance, a slow, cautious dog might encourage the bird to run more if it's pointing further back or is it is it's and then in the you know a fast dog you read about or hear about a fast mm-hmm. dog comes up on a bird and sort of stuns it into holding and pointing what are your thoughts on that yeah uh, it's a great question and it's it's probably uh unfortunately doesn't have a, a single answer yeah because of the variables right you know so like every every track is going to be different but i can tell you that if we if we look at if if I just use my own dogs as examples quick. So yeah. Missy is my, you know, my hunting with grandma dog, as I always label her, you know, she's, she's the dog literally, you know, she's going to be seven next month. You know, she has the most points per track. So for the just sake of trying to label this conversation, let's call her my, if we're talking number of points per flush, she's my least productive grouse dog. Okay. If we think of it like points per flush. Okay. She moves slow. I have a lot of points to get a flush. She's my slowest, cautious, most potent nose dog. I haven't noticed her tracks are any longer or shorter than Got dogs it. that move up tracks more quickly. But I, but I do feel like if I look at Missy's daughter, Name, uh, I had mentioned earlier that she tracks she she searches kind of at a at a trot and then once she gets into a track she's very speedy and and trying to get me to that bird to catch up to that bird and i can't say with that dog on the other end of the spectrum in terms of a speedy tracking maneuver her tracks are any um shorter or longer than her mother's who's a very slow paced tracker yeah. now all that said the best way to work a tracking dog is to get that tracking dog to work as fast as it's capable of working mm-hmm. because the bird is running away from you. And again, there's a lot of variables like that we don't know, right? We don't know where the bird is. We don't know how yep. far it's running at that moment. We can only look back after it's all over <laughs> and say, wow, look at your GPS. And from the time the dog first went on point to the time you actually got a flush and the dog was consistently working that bird, like, you know, sometimes again, it's 50 yards. 
you know, I've had them literally 400 yards. Usually in my yep. neck of the woods, they run a lot. It's, it's one of the 200 yard tracks is kind of the, kind of the norm here. If they have the cover and they're not hunkering down anywhere, but I do feel that the dog that works the track quickly usually you're going to get the best shot opportunities at because you are getting closer to that bird. Like the, the bird that just doesn't want to hunker down and you're moving slowly, you know, yeah, you can feel like you're chasing ghosts, you know, for a long time. And there's been times in past years where like, you know, like I always trust my dog and they always do right by me. But sometimes it's like, oh my God, the cover sucks that you're going through. You're going yeah, slow. Right. And this happened, this, and it happens in the alders more than anywhere else. Yeah. Because you can't move quickly. The bird can move a heck of a lot faster than you can through those. Correct. Orders. Yeah. Absolutely. So, so you're stepping over, you know, you're getting poked in the eye, your head's going back, your body's going forward, your gun's getting stuck. And, you know, sometimes it's not the dog slowing us down on their tracking. It's us slowing the dog down yeah. on that track. So, so it just, it just depends on, on all of those variables, but I can definitely say that the faster you can work a dog. So I mentioned how slow Missy is on our track, but I work her quick, you know, and then the way that that dog and I work, you know, basically she's in the heel position and I'm power walking. As long as I am at her or going ahead of her, she will continue the track, you know, but if I'm not, if I'm not at her, I'm behind her, you know, she's going to wait for me to get there. She's just super cautious, super connected. She does not want to put that bird in the air. So I get in that heel position, I can go into a power walk and she will track as fast as I move, you know, until there is no bird, until that bird is there and she will not move them, you know? So okay. I just got to get next to that dog. Her daughter, Name, I mentioned, is just not that way. She'll, she'll fly up that track preferably, you know, in 20 to 30 yard intervals. So you just got to know how to work the dog that you have on the ground for it to be the most effective type of tracking dog that it can be, you know? Yeah. And Inami, like I said, I got to let her, when she goes on that point, when she first acquires, I just got to give her her time to acquire her trail. She, she crosses her T's and dots her I's, circles three, four times. And then, and then she goes and then we're good. And then we're, we're going, you know, and she can slow it down a lot because she's so detail oriented when it's multiple birds. I know right away when she's tracking multiple birds and we're going to find a cubby. I know right away. Is and that, those, is that because she's slow and crisscrossing around doing all that kind of stuff yes. how do you know because that's yeah interesting. yeah she's she's tracking she's tracking it almost in a zigzag like she's defining the margins okay, okay. just kind of like how my search and rescue tracking trailing dog would right so so from where the like the footpath was to wherever the wind kind of carried the human body on her like down the hill it could be it could be a hundred yards away and the tracking dog is going with this you know, wherever the edge of the scent is, no scent scent, no scent scent. So when you get a a group of two to however many birds mm -hmm. and they're all kind of walking the March of the Penguins together wherever they're going and the dog picks up on that, you know, it's hard for the dog to follow one bird, right? Yeah. Cause there's a bunch yeah, that of birds. That does make there. a lot of sense. So, yep. so what the, so what the, what the smart and experienced dogs do is they start to zigzag, finding the margins, finding the edges of where there's no scent and scent. Mm. So you get a lot more zigzagging, which you get a lot more lateral movement than forward movement, you know? So, and again, grouse don't run in a straight line all the time, right? So, so those tracks can be slower. So with her, 
because of that. So like Name wouldn't do that. Name, the faster tracking dog would smell, have her nose in the ground, be smelling birds, fly up maybe 30, 40 yards out of scent, spin around, stop, wait for me to get there. And then cruise another direction and like, she'll, she'll just stop and wait for me when she gets out of scent, but she'll just go through the scent path. So I never know with her, whether it's one bird or multiple birds because of her style, but she gets us there more, you know, she gets us there very quickly. Whereas if it's a group of birds, if it's a covey of birds with Name and it's very evident of how she's working it, I will go the, I get the general direction she's going. I, I read the cover the best I can. I hedge my bets. And I'll go ahead of her 30 yards and, you know, before she's tracked right there. And if she's setting, you know, I know we're getting close. So that's when I like go ahead, like 30 yards, Yeah, yeah. you know, when she's, when she's been setting, cause we're getting close. She's just trying to find it that way. And we're, and we're if you s- get high, wrong, she'll, that. she'll bail you out and, you know, oh, yeah. pull, yeah, you, yeah. pull the yep. other, other direction or whatever. Yeah. 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 I go, I go that way. And. I look back when I just finally walked the 30 yards and, exactly. and she's pointing the other way, you know, but uh, there's, it, <laughs> yep. it happens often enough. Cause you know how it is, especially late season. Like once that first covey, once that first bird goes in the covey, they start going like popcorn and like, yes, if you're not there, you know, yep. then that, that, that's an issue. So, but again, you know, those two dogs that I just mentioned are the two dogs that in my lifetime will be between those two dogs that I've harvested the most well-handled birds over. But they're they they're very different in their in their styles, so you just got to know how to to work that. But the short answer is, you know, you want to work them as fast as they're capable of that their skill set allows them to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. And and again, you kind of I, sort of put some put some bookmarks on there as far as like you know. You know Go ahead. I think a spinoff question or spinoff topic that is is relevant to it. I've heard this among some other podcast episodes. I don't, I don't know. If, I mean, I'm sure you've talked about it like, and we've talked about a little bit in the past, like the approaching the bird, right? Yes. And and how you know tracking when you have a tracking dog versus a true dog. Like the true dog, you can choose to approach the bird like in this sweeping half circle, pin the bird kind of thing. And that has a certain statistical success to it, right? My personal experience, at least in the general region that I hunt, is that doesn't make me any more successful. My statistically, my attitude is always I always regret not going to a dog. <laughs> always regret it, you know. So so I, I go to the dog first, you know, and if the dog is still on point you know, when I, when I go to it, then I'll hedge my bets and go certain directions. You know, my experienced dogs, I rely on them. I ask them to move. Give me more intel where we go from here. And if they won't move at all, okay, maybe I charge to what an open area where I can see every direction and I make my grouse flushing sounds, you know, (laughs) you know, so I, I hedge my other side, but with a tracking dog, you know, contrary to, uh, you know, how we're conditioned in this country because of true dog models. Like you are up that dog's butt. You are hustling to force that dog to work that track faster. And when that dog is pointing, setting, whatever their, their lock is, you know, you're, you're power walking ahead of that dog all the time coming up from behind. 
they have to learn to handle that pressure. And it's easy. I mean, I start doing it with, with my four month old puppies and I'm teaching them well. I tell them, well, I walk in little tight circles around them, behind them, back and forwards, and they're standing there and there's no pressure. People are like, oh, pressure, you know, competition. No, it's just, you, this is part of having a tracking dog. That's what you do. You, you're not going to circle a dog that you might have to, that it's, that it's pointing trail scent and you're going to try to circle it, what, 30 times on a track? You're just losing time, you know? So, you want yep. that dog, I cheat as much as I can with the using that tool, the dog as a tool. I keep asking it to move, asking it to move. And will it will not, when it will not move at all, you know you're there, you know? Yeah. So that's that's the name of the game, you know, how fast can you get that dog to work. Now, again, the faster the pace, the tracking dog, in theory, the faster you get there. I just, I have, I've had ample stories where I've had plenty of short, tracks from missy and you know plenty of super long tracks out of name you know and i think it's just where the dog comes across the scent where is that bird is it is it in that you know white grass in the in the in the alders late season or is it in that conifer cluster and it had walked there from 100 yards away and the dog was working that and the bird just never left there because it wasn't it didn't feel threatened. It never knew it was being tracked, you know? So there's just so many variables there, but just work that dog as fast as its skill set can handle and make sure that it knows that it, it has to stop for you. And most of these setters will stop for you. And if you have a versatile breed that doesn't, well, that's part of the training process for you yeah. as a team with your tracking dog. Yeah. I'm glad you brought that up. Cause I, I had a note to mention that. Cause I know we've talked about circling points and stuff before. And yeah. I was going to say like, what Rose is doing has sort of has absolutely called that into question for me. Like it doesn't, it just, when she gets on these tracks, like it just doesn't make sense. Like I can't swing way out and waste a bunch of time. No. And so like yeah. I've gotten to where, yeah. you know, we are, I'm, I'm with her. And when it's one of those kind of points, like I, we're moving in, in sync, like you're saying, you know, it's like she yeah. maybe crisscrossing back and forth and I'm getting ahead of her here. And then she's getting ahead of me there. And it's yeah. just a, it's a different way of, going about it yeah yeah and you know it's again different strokes for different folks but it's right. a, it's a real it's a you know you're super connected to your dog your dog is super connected to you and they're connecting you to that bird and yes you know as you as you're moving up that track together you know you you just start to you start to see you know what i would refer to as micro body language you know it might be it might be the tail is literally torqued to the left. It might be curled a little bit more. It might be higher, lower. You know, Inami is really comical. There's, there's like when, whenever she's pointing birds, tree birds in a set, like, and I know the bird is there, she's like squinting. Like her eyes are closed. Huh. Like she's like, li- like literally she, she squints like, oh my God, it's right here. Like that's, and, sh- but she only does it on tree birds. You know, if the bird's on the ground and she's in a set and it's right there, her eyes are as big as golf balls, Why you know? open. <laughs> yeah. Like, she, it's just like, she's like, I can taste this one, you know, like it's just, yeah. it's, it's funny. Like this, the little body cues, you know, and a lot of my dogs, some of them, when they're standing tall, like, uh, you know, all my dogs have pretty straight tails when they're on point, if they're in a tall point, but it, you know, they're very straight tails when they got like an old track. But their tail, their tail will start to arc. Like if they if they have a scent cone of a bird, you know, 
it, like 20 yards away and they're getting a huge nose full of it. You know, not only is it rigidity in their body, but their tail is torqued. If Missy, the cold nosed dog's tail is arced, you know, and not straight, like I know, and she's standing tall. I know that there's a bird like within 20 yards, you know, somewhere, yeah. you know, for sure, you know. So it's just, you learn to read all those things with the dog. And there's a lot of layers to reading your, your track, your specific tracking dog you have on the ground that it does take a couple seasons because they are, as you pointed out, they're honing their skill set and that takes some experience, you know. So you saw that she had the, the ability to do that her first season and you've seen that, you know, you've seen her become a seasoned tracking yeah. dog, you know, with that and what you can, what you can rely on. And Inami is as much as she can be super tedious sometimes, you know, and I feel like she's not as effective as Name because it's a feeling, but it's not a fact, yeah, sure. Like she gets me there, you know, yeah. she gets me there and, and I, I, I enjoy her in some ways. I enjoy her more than Name, but uh, again, they're my, they'll, they'll be my two leading scorers of, of all time over just amazing stories and amazing dog work. And those dogs live to have feathers in their mouth and they know what they have to do to make that happen. Yeah. Yeah, indeed. Well, the other thing too, I, you know, I always, and I appreciate when you sort of lay things out, like, and you said it on Nick's podcast and I've heard you say it before, but like you sort of describe, you're trying to like, trying to make, get the point across on like kind of what you, one of the things you love about your tracking dogs, like, so you got a tracking dog and a true dog and they both get two points in an hour you know your your true dog it's going to be a point that you walked over to and flushed bird and it's going to be like 55 minutes of hunting and <laughs> hunting and wandering and like five minutes of excitement hunting alone hunting alone nick yeah yeah <laughs> whereas the tracking dog like you're in the game so much more because they're tracking these sure. birds and in the, so it's like yeah. you you're riding that roller coaster and i yeah. definitely have have a taste of that with rose and i yeah I mean, it's a, a roller coaster dog, for sure. Yeah. A tracking <laughs> dog. I, I feel a tracking dog will teach a hunter a lot more about bird behavior than a true dog ever will. <sighs> I have you know? a real tendency so, to agree with that. Yep. You know, so, I mean, you know, the more time you spend in the woods, you learn these birds, but yeah. it's just, you know, when you see where they'll walk, where they'll run, how far they'll do it, where they, yes. you know, where they've been and late season, you can get a feel for that too. You know, when you see the tracks, but I'm talking in September, October, when, yeah, I mean, October is premium tracking dog scenting condition month. I mean, there's there's moisture, the temperature is perfect. There's there's so many things that in the, in the North Woods that makes it, you know, ripe for the picking for a tracking dog. And uh, you know, you learn so much about the bird's behavior. Like, you know, like wow, look at that! Like my dog just tracked this bird 150 yards, and you know, this happens hundreds of times over the years. Like. And that bird literally just jumped, you know, 10 feet up in the tree at some point because it, it was running away from us. And it's like, all right, I'm tired of running. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. here, here's here's a nice spruce stand. Let me jump 10 feet up in the tree. And then like you're looking around the dogs, you know, set, you know, me squinting on the ground. You know, I'm looking around, looking around. And then eventually, boom, the bird blasts out from like right above my head. You know, yeah. I mean, that happens over and over and over. Like, you, you, you just you learn what they do, you know, and, and just like, just like, you know, you're a seasoned grass hunter. So you like, you know, like when you hear a flush, like, you know, if it went in a tree, yeah. you know, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, you can pick it's up just, on those cues. It's just like, it's, yeah, it's, it's just a layer of hunting that you, 
that knowledge that you gather from your experience and the tracking dogs open up like another realm of of like what was going on with that they reveal more of the picture i think yeah yeah i mean it's it's just yeah there's a story other than the flush yeah and that's and and that really can make you a better hunter i feel not just in handling those 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 that dog and those birds in that moment, but finding birds, you know. So Yeah. It's like you just get a little more evidence with, with some yeah. of those contacts. It's I don't know. Okay. This is this happened to me on Friday. I wanted to ask you about this. Like you get birds that don't flush where you can see the bird on the ground. And and I had a we had a bird last Friday that Rose went on point and she happened to be it was right on this there was a corner of a trail there and so like she was pointing on this corner i was like okay if i can just get around this corner i might have a good chance because the way she was pointing and everything i was like i might see this bird or get a good look at it so i get ahead of her and and this trail is kind of like setting me up perfectly so i turn right and i'm it's there's some alders in there and i look and i see the i see the grouse standing under this like 20 foot balsam there wasn't a whole lot around but he was very visible. So I see him standing there. And at that point I'm sort of making my move. I'm trying to, I'm trying to move closer to the bird while staying in a spot where I can shoot. Cause at this point he could flush at any point and I'm in range. Right. As I get closer to him, he decides to start walking. And so mm-hmm. he's walking and I'm following him, waiting for him to flush. And it's this whole like very tense moment of like, I'm trying to stay ready, but stay with this bird. And the cover's relatively thick. There's some good hazel brush and deadfalls around. So he's using it all to his advantage. And this bird, I must've followed him. I followed him one way. And, and meanwhile, Rose eventually comes off of her initial point and is in the game with us. And she gets to the point where she moves and points again. She's kind of moving and pointing. And I follow this bird one way and I try to cut him off and I do. And the minute I cut him off, he's walking back the other way. And at some point during this whole thing, like (laughs) Rose is right there with him moving around and Rose can see the grouse walking around on the ground. And she's just standing there watching it. And he goes back to the original, the bird goes back to the original alder edge. And I was like, I I had this on GoPro. I was like, he's going to try to beat me to that edge. And so I kind of hustled up. And I beat him to the edge because he stopped or whatever. And I I get there to where I think I'm going to have a good shot. And sure enough, he walks back again and he's going back this (laughs) other way. And Rose turns around and follows him and stops and points again. He walks all the way over to this real nasty, like deadfall tangle, hazel brush. And I'm like barely tracking him. I lost him at one point, but then I see him walking again. And I, to kind of make a long story short, I got to a point where like, I was just like, screw this i'm bull rushing him i ran like basically ran right at him as much as i could run through this cover and when i did that actually rose charged too like she it was almost like she just said screw this this is ridiculous like this has gone on for way too long so we both kind of rushed this bird and i wasn't super thrilled by rose doing that but the bird flushed low and away i never had a shot and i just like basically burst out laughing i was just like what do you do in that situation and i looked down and i saw i was standing right on top of a log with poop all over it like a drumming log or whatever and yeah so i kind of have two questions you're like one like (laughs) you see that and and then like i i have a pet theory i guess that like 
sort of the male birds do that. Like they'll hold real tight to their, like their staked territory or whatever. I just feel yeah. like I've seen that a time or two. I don't know. Yeah. So first of all, I'll say that is definitely not a Western UP issue. Like, <laughs> right. Right. You know, I, I, we've talked before and like, I mean, if I, if I flesh a couple thousand birds and 500 hours of, of hunting every season, like if I see three birds on the ground, the entire season here, that's a lot, but comically I can travel an hour and a half to some of my uh, best Wisconsin covers and you know, cause my Wisconsin puppy people would say, what are you doing? The dog sees the bird. I'm like, what are you talking about? Right. <laughs> so, so as over the last five years, I've started to hunt Wisconsin more and more. I, I actually see this behavior in those birds for whatever reason may be where like they, they visibly reveal themselves, but they don't necessarily go anywhere. Yeah. Like they're not, yeah. they're not creating a track for you to follow. They're just like telling you to leave me alone you know you're like you're like in that drummer's living room basically and he's telling you to get out you know exactly um, it's like so, a cockiness to it they're walking around like that yeah yeah and i do i do find that the birds that are holding tire like that tend to be males and i do find that so I, some of my wisconsin covers are super super thick hazel understory like we're almost have to walk game trails and you know i've had Lots of times where I can, I find human voice, like I'll start like yelling at the bird or I'll be talking to the dog, like, you know, we're going to get them like something like human voice can stimulate a flush. Yeah. And, and literally I throw sticks at them. Like I, I, when I, if that, if that happens, like in my heavy, like I can see the bird like walking around, you know, like 15 plus yards like in the hazel and like the dog's like in there and the dog's like setting like looking that way and like i can't physically it's like impassable i can't physically get in there and the birds just like be bopping around and like 15 yards ahead i'll take a i'll take a dead limb aspen pine whatever it is right there and i'll just like throw it in there you know i start talking a lot you know and and i would say i would say half the time that's successful to produce a flush Something with my very first Llewellyn I ever had that it kind of just evolved into this. I never really taught it, but I accepted it because she was so, it never affected her, her bird work negatively. My very first Llewellyn Rogue that I had 20 years ago, she was a true style dog and a bigger running dog, but the best grouse dog I had ever had up to date. And that's what got me hooked on the Llewellyn's. She would go on point. I would get there, and this is like New York abandoned farm country cover, thick green briar and honeysuckle, autumn olive, just stuff that again can be impenetrable. But the birds, that's where they are, you know. So I'm like, you know, making noises, doing everything I just told you, you know. And they're in there. So I had, you know, figuring the bird like ran and whatever. I would like try to get Rogue to relocate, you know, get in there and move the bird around. And we got into this habit where. And she would only do it in the thick where I could say, get them. And she would rush in off the point and flush the bird and stop to the flush. And the only other dog to date that I've started to see this with a little bit, it started last year a little bit and it's, and I've allowed it to keep happening is with Name. And so like for me, I, I have my whole kissing language with the woods. I don't really talk in the woods to my dogs. Everything is kissing sounds. And, you know, so if I'm like want to move them off a point because I didn't produce a flush, I'll, you know, I'll give them the kissing sounds. 
And but they'll they they won't listen to that kissing sounds if the bird is there. They're like, no, it's here. You flush it, you know. Right. So when the bird name has come to evolve to where like if we're talking like the dense conifers or the hazel or a bird situation like you're talking about that like you can't just physically get right to, but it's kind of dancing around some thick understory. I'll go to give the kissing sounds to that dog, and she she turns her head and looks at me like. You know what you're asking me to do, right? <laughs> like, like, yeah, you like really you're want me to do this? <laughs> you're, you're telling me to put that bird in the air, right? Like, she literally like turns her head to me because I'll, I'll give kissing sounds and she ignores me. I'll give them again. She ignores me. I keep giving the kissing sounds and she'll just turn her head and she's like, Are you sure? Because I know I am not supposed to do that. <laughs> and, and we got a huge drummer in this, in this, from this conifer cluster from this the, the other day. You know, she had tracked this bird. I don't know, maybe it was it was only fifty or seventy yards, something like that. And right on the, it was on this embankment, and it was just dense young regen of conifers. And like I walked around it, there was no way I could walk through it. She's pointing like on the top hillside, and I, and I like there's, she's not moving. I gave kissing sounds, so I got to the side on top, so I could see like in every direction where this bird could fly, and I gave the kissing sounds. Gave the kissing sounds, gave the kissing sounds, still gave. And she like turns her head and she's like, are you sure? You know? And, and I gave the kissing sounds and she just went like gangbusters in there. The bird ran out and it, it popped out of the conifers. It looked at me and it just like flew straight off the bank, like straight away and I had a straightaway long shot and I got the bird. But she's the only dog that since my first dog 20 years ago, we're talking over a hundred setters yeah. in between pretty much that that i've it's kind of just like evolved and she'll only she will not do it like if it's kind of like kind of open like if it's just like an aspen stand or it's got to be something that she knows that i physically can't get into and then she'll break it after i've asked her like repeatedly multiple times and she always stops the flush no matter what but yeah it's it's a it's a challenge and voice throwing sticks you know and if i and i for the reasons that we just talked about, I mentioned this dog and her story specifically because in covers that I know have that cover that known covers, that's the dog I bring with me for that reason. Um, because yeah. it's kind of adapted that she gets that context and I, and she will, she will track, find, point, relocate, nail down right where that bird is. And if I can't get that bird to fly and it's really thick, you know, I can send her in after asking her multiple times and she'll get in and put that bird in the air and stop and then go get it when I shoot it, you know? So they don't all do that, but I know like in Europe, they, you know, they kind of encourage the dog sometimes, right? you know, in those settings to flush the bird. Yeah. That's kind of why I asked too, because like, I know like some people do that. And I I was like thinking to myself, like, I should post this video and be like flushing dog folks this is for your entertainment yeah. <laughs> it's like yeah, like yeah. You, you you don't so, have this situation the, the, and, the only honestly, cautionary man, tale the cautionary ahead. tale would be you know so we've talked about in the past like how like if a true dog is not on point like you should never shoot that bird because if your true dog has two brain cells to rub together and you start shooting birds when the dog's not actually on point like the dog starts to learn that that's that's an okay behavior, you know, whereas the tracking dogs, like they got to establish one solid point and they have to be cautious and connected to the bird if they're not on point 
after having established at least one point when that bird goes up for you to shoot it and they'll take away that as a positive experience. But if they're taking out birds, you know, and you start shooting them. So like a dog like Name, I mean, you know, at last season was the first season, like when I would ask her to go in there um, and she wouldn't, she was protesting and I would send her and like, I made sure to take no, like, did that, did that deteriorate her tracking ability, her yeah. ability to hold birds? And the, like, if the answer is no, then okay, cool. That's another tool in your toolbox with that, with you as that dog team. But if they're like, cool, I get to do this, yeah. you know, you start, you start to see more race in the dog instead of more caution in the dog when they get close to the birds. And then that is definitely not an option for you and that dog that you have, you know? Yeah. And like I said, for me. It's a two out of a 100 plus setter scenario where I've been able to to do that with a dog, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, honestly, I feel like Rose is smart enough that I probably could have, like, it's not a thing that I run into so frequently that I feel no, like, well, I got to, no. got to figure out what to do here. But yeah. it's just, I was curious if you had, if you had seen and or thought. Yep if there was potentially male birds that tend to do that. And I find that female, like I feel like is another pet theory, I guess we'll start throwing things at the wall. I I feel like hen, female grouse, they will hold very tight, sometimes tighter than like maybe a male takes off and the female is still there. But like the female, when she flushes, she flushes, she's not going to stand there and walk around and dance around in front of you. Like a cocky little male drummer might. Yeah. I can't, I can't say that. I mean, from my recollection, yeah. You know, most, most of the time, I think the ones that are hanging around are the, you know, doing this, this ground display, yeah. you know, are, are usually the, the males. My most recent one was last week. I had a NAMI, a new cover. It, was, it turned out to be a great cover. We were hunting for like a half hour and then we started to get in the birds and I don't know, we found eight or 10 or something like that. And the very first bird that she pointed ended up being the bird that I got. And we were just on a trail. And she was trail running, running down the trail and she, and she skidded into a set. So I'm, you know, running up there with my full bag of shells already to, you know, shoot a bird. I'm looking, I'm looking and I see tracks like that go across the trail. And like this log was kind of like recessed, like in the ground. So like kind of like these little humps that were like maybe two, three feet up till it got to like the regular forest floor. So I'm looking, I'm looking, I see the tracks and I look and, and there's that, you know, classic, like, you know, conifer regen on the sides of the logging roads, you know, mm-hmm. and, but it, but it was a little bit of age to it. So I, so I look and there's this, it was, it, it was a male. It was like a first year male, but it was a male and there he is kind of like, we're looking at each other. And maybe at this point, he's like 20 feet ahead of the dog. The dog can't see it. Cause he's like on top of this rise, this hump. And he starts walking, right? So I start walking. So I'm like walking parallel. He starts running, right? So <laughs> I send I send the dog, you know, ahead, and she won't move because the scent's like seconds old. So so now I'm like I'm like jogging, and this bird is running, and we're, it's like a race. It's and yep. now on the other side of this conifer row, it's just hardwoods. The bird could fly across the hardwoods, but he didn't want to do that. Yep. So he's he's running down there. We ran for like. 30, 40 yards before he flew and, and he flew out along, like along these conifers, but then he made the mistake of flying across the trail Yeah, and it was like a 35 yard shot, but it was wide open and I got him, but he, 
he literally ran right down there and I'm, yeah. I'm looking at him the whole time, you know, and <laughs> for anybody that hasn't been in a race with a rough grouse, you are not as fast <laughs> as a rough grouse. Like, Good luck. I always, well, you know, people think like, Oh, I've never seen a rough grouse run. I was like, have you ever seen one try to cross a road? Like, you know, yeah. like it's head forward, it's tail like low. Like a roadrunner, like, man. Yeah. 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 I was like, well, they, they'll, they'll do that when, when they're, when you're chasing them like that. But, yeah. you know, case in point, like that was like a linear cover. It wasn't like that Hazel or Alder story, you know, mm-hmm. like I knew I could have jumped through that thing, but you know how it goes. You jump through the other side of the conifers and you always, there it goes you on always, the other way. Yep. There it goes. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway. Yeah. Well, that's, that's fun that the, the, and that's the other, it's like when it, when it's just you single gunner and single gunner and oh, dog, yeah. you know, the grouse, yeah. that was like kind of one of the things Nick and I were talking, like the grouse gets to play his cards and you know, that's oh, yeah. part of it. It's part of the game. I mean, it's fun. Nah. It's, that's what you're, makes me. You, you're waiting for him to make a mistake is, uh, yeah. you know, yep. ultimately what it comes down to. Yeah. And they don't always do it. Well, I know we, I had a couple other things here. We'll, we'll wrap this up, but. You took a trip to Italy. Is that something? Can we can we touch on that and the video series relatively briefly before we wrap yeah. up here? Yeah, yeah. So last August, I went to Italy to assess some some dogs, looking for some new tracking dog blood. And this this was like a a five year in the making trip planned years ago. I guess it was like in 2018. He's pretty big social media following. His name's Andrea Cavaglia. He's a outdoor filmmaker and okay, he's in italy so that is, that's the same guy i was thinking of okay yes yep and a great guy really great guy we hit it off real well and his father's been breeding setters for 40 yep. years mountain hunter mostly they hunt black grouse rock partridge which looks just like our chucker here uh rock ptarmigan and then they have their woodcock that migrate through yeah so anyway i saw a video of duca when he was 18 months old on Andrea's Instagram feed and I messaged him and said, Hey, you know, beautiful dog, you know, my dogs work like this, you know, in the woods here. And, you know, I might be interested down the road and getting a dog from you, blah, blah, blah. And then he's like, all right, well, yeah, you should definitely come see the dogs. And he's like, you can stay with us. I was like, all right, cool. So, so we set it up like that winter, you know, for like 2020, cause we were going to be moving, moving to the Michigan. And I was like, Oh, we got get organized stuff so it was up for 2020 and then covid happened so i had to cancel that and then like all right well then we set it up for 2022 and then of course like i just booked my plane tickets and putin goes crazy you know so i'm like i'm not canceling i'm not canceling and i was down to like the wire and like three weeks before i had a bunch of litters on the ground and i decided that i was able to go because a friend had was able to stay here and help my wife with the dogs and stuff so i went over there Got to see a bunch of setters work, including Duca. And, you know, my original plan was to go over there, get to see them work on black grouse. And if I liked some dogs, then maybe I would set something up in the years ahead to get a few puppies and hopefully it won't work out kind of thing. So so I was there. We worked dogs five days. And it was kind of August is kind of like I'm I'm like just starting to get into shape, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? So my ankles felt like rubber, right? Like they're all wearing like these <laughs> ma- mountaineering boots like that go like three quarters of the way up their calves. And I'm wearing like just like my 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 keen hiking boots and my ankles were like rubber being on like 45 degree angle all week. But got to see a lot of dogs work. It's very interesting, you know, like while all their dogs 
handled their their birds very well. We got to see a lot of black grouse. It was pretty cool. Definitely, I would love someday to maybe like send a dog back to them, you know, and and go over there and hunt over over that dog with black grouse that. They're like, I guess I've never hunted blue grouse here, but I guess like the size of a, bl- a dusky grouse, blue grouse, they're, they're like three pound bird, but wow. they fly like a rough grouse. I mean, they fly fast, really cool bird, beautiful bird. And so I got to see all these dogs work there and they got like, you know, what, what I would call like two dimensional true dogs, you know, like they're, they're more like ptarmigan dogs for their country. Right. So they just like, these dogs run 400, 800 yards you know, yeah. go on point, you know, above the tree line and you wait for you to get there and you get there and, you know, they can work into, you, they got a lot of wind there in the mountains, you know, they'll work into the wind there and, you know, not my kind of dogs, but, you know, they were effective for how they worked them and what they were looking for, for those dogs, you know, they're pretty much below 8,500 feet, below 8,000 feet is your, is your forested cover. And above that is, you know, ptarmigan country and rock yeah. partridge country so we were kind of hovering on that line mostly because they were trying to show me all three species and i'm like no go in the woods go in the woods <laughs> <laughs> and their 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 habitat there is very mature tamarack forest in the alps and it's a very grassy understory with juniper berry bushes and low-lying blueberry bushes so you can in their woods it's other than like tamarack regen in certain spots you can see 120 yards in their woods, you know? So like, so I wanted to see Duca. Um, I got to see him run quite a few days and he was like the dog I, I was hoping I was like. So I set up some puppies out of him and stuff down the road. And I, on my video, if anybody does go to the website to look at those tracking videos on Nami and Inami, you will find on the Sires page under Duca, I made a video in real time. It was 13 minutes. I fast forwarded the parts where we're huffing and puffing going up the mountain but it's an eight minute video of him meticulously tracking a black grouse 400 yards to where we get a flush and we get him on video. That's it's wow. a great video. It's one of the benefits of not carrying a gun, you know? Yeah. So really cool video to watch. But so, and, and we, that was on my second day that we were there. So I said to Andrea, his father, who's the breeder, doesn't speak any English, just Italian. I said, tell your father. Yeah, I had goosebumps out like an inch tall after that track and got to see all that work and stuff like sure. starting going to heaven. I don't need to see anything else. That's that's good. <laughs> and so we were we were focused on black grouse those first few days. And then the father says in Italian, Andreas translating everything. He's like, Tomorrow you see Duca and he's like smacks his hands like forward, like you see Duca, go, you know, because Duca's been like hunting like a hundred yards and under. So then because he wanted to show me ptarmigan and rock partridge, so we're above the tree line and a lot of wind up there wide open and Duke is 400 yards out, you know? And I'm like, gulp, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> far, far beyond my comfort zone, you know, but I yeah. mean, not my, not my terrain. Cool to see like the dog, like going down this shale cliff, like in the sunset and the sunrise, you know, but very different. So we weren't finding too many up there because they're kind of in like a 200 year historic drought. So we, we dropped back down. We found lots of black grouse. It was just awesome. So now we're getting towards like the end of the week and Andrea's like, so what do you think? I was like, well, Duke was the reason why I came here, you know, from years ago talking to you. I was like, and yeah, I would love to set up getting some pups out of him. He's like, you know, we ought to talk to my dad about you buying Duca. And I'm like, say what? I'm like, what are you talking about? I was like, it's like, why would he sell like 
best one of his best dogs he's ever had in his life you know and he's like well my dad's a businessman you know and the mountains are hard on the dogs and as you see here like they bring every dog it's not like us here or like we can go back to the truck swap dogs out you know like whatever dog you're going to hunt that day and i imagine this might this might happen out in the rockies here you know not sure but you gotta bring like you'll see it yeah you like you see a lot if you go on andrea's news feed like you'll see a lot of times like he's got dogs on leashes and they're in the mountains you know and so like they 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 rotate the dogs and because they're out there for six hours or more you know in the mountains and uh, they rotate them all so anyhow He's like, you know, my dad doesn't like to leave the dogs behind. He's like, so he sells them while they're still worth something. You know, they're going to get all the attention. They're still going to get the hunt. He's like, but, you know, they're not walking all day long, you know, hunting and walking all day long when they're older. He's like, so usually by the time they're seven, he's usually selling them. You know, it's been a number of years since he's had kept them their whole adult life. And so he's like, I know my dad, he's probably already gotten like sold or buyers or whatever. So that night at dinner, I was like, well, you just make sure you say to him, like, this is a compliment, not an insult, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, 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 that I'd be open to it. So he's talking to him and he's like, yeah, he's like, I got over a dozen people that want to buy Duca. He's like, I was going to sell him after in September, they have their mountain grouse trial championships and stuff. So he figured Duca would do very, very well in that. And then he would sell him afterwards. So so he was, he was like, but we hit it off real good. And like, you know, hunting opportunities in Italy for Upland is very different. Like they're about big game, like red, red stag and wild boar is like what, like kind of like the outdoorsy culture like is in terms of like what the country like promotes. Um, they're not really big on as much as Italy breeds, like more setters than everywhere else in the world combined. <laughs> it's, it's kind of crazy. Like there's a lot of heritage there and stuff, but you're only allowed to hunt the dogs like two days a week you have to choose you have to get a permit for for an area you can't just like go hunt all over the country like you get like there's eighty thousand acre areas that like is your region and there's a hundred permits per region and then like there's 25 black grouse you can harvest 14 rock partridge and eight rock ptarmigan and nick that's for all 100 people combined wow and and then you have to and then you have to it's almost like a deer tag here you have to like tag that bird and report yeah. it to the dnr so every day you go on the website and you see like if it's filled or not now black grouse italians love ptarmigan that's like their prized bird like that that's what they're most besides woodcock that's like what they're most yeah. into so interestingly black grouse often very seldom do they do they fill 25 so then they'll like, they'll go out and like with their rifle and you're not even allowed to go. Once those quotas are met, you're not even allowed to go out and run your dog on wild sure. birds. Yeah. So they'll like go out with like a rifle and say they're hare hunting and have their dogs. But yeah, two days a week. And then woodcock, once they migrate through, you can pick two days a week for them. So you can hunt up to four days a week once woodcock come through too. But the limit's different. So I'm like, oh, yeah, I can hunt. I can hunt 112 days a season and, yeah. and theoretically shoot five birds a day. They're like, what? That's insane. You know, so we hit it off good. We got along good. They knew Duca would have an opportunity to do a lot of hunting. So his father said, he's like, well, he's like, you can buy the dog. You have one month to come up with the money. And uh, I was like, okay. So <laughs> I, I'm, I'm flying back home and I'm like, oh my God, I'm spending all this money. 
you know, and I'm like, and if you watch that video, you'll see like how slow and cautious he tracks. I'm like, oh, man, I hope he tracks faster than this or we'll, we will never catch up to a bird, <laughs> you know, uh, yeah. I was like, and it took him like three days. So anyway, so I got the money together. I sold some dogs. I emptied some accounts. We got Duca here the beginning of September. He offered to keep him there to run him in the mountain grouse trials, which was like opening day here. I was like, now I was like, honestly, it's not going to make a difference to me as much as I would like you to. Yeah, you know, it's, yeah. I, I already, I'm already spending the money, so just 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 get him here so I can get him acclimated and I can start hunting him. And uh, you know, he's handled grouse very, very well. Um, he's doing great. He adapted very quickly. He learned real fast that he's got to work faster on tracks than that. He's super intelligent dog. I've never had a dog like you can see like his like the Italian field trial influence in the dog in terms of like his quartering in the woods is crazy. Like how accurate it is. He's super intelligent. He will not like hunt the same area twice. You know, there are some differences for sure. I mean, he is a more independent dog than my dogs, but you know, I select for, I've selected for a lot of dependence in my trackers over the years. It's an intelligent trait, but he will, you know, t- you know, if we're not finding birds, you know, he'll jump out another 30% or so. And, but he's, he's been a great addition. He sired a handful of litters. If you guys follow me on social media, you see a little puppy named Adi who's out of him and Missy. And she's just been a super little superstar born on June 30th. And she's got like 150 grouse points. And I've bagged a dozen birds over her late season. And it's been great this weather for the sake of getting her going. I don't usually have summer dogs I hold, but He's been a great asset. It's a real, really different there. It's funny, you know, so I went over there because of the trackers and trying to find dogs that are more, I would say my dogs are more European than American, but they're really hybrids. So I'm always, you know, holding this black sheep flag. I'm saying it's, it's comical, right? So I got now all this European following because I have Duca and Duca is well known over there um, as is the breeder, you know, so like in the US, you know, I'm always... I, you know, got the haters, you know, dogs are setting on the ground. Why is your dog quote unquote lying down on point? And the, you know, the tracking thing, the nose, the, the ground scent yeah. dogs, boo, boo, hoo, the bootlickers, boo, hoo, you know, and then, and then like, but my dogs have the variable pointing styles, right? No. And then, so like now the Europeans, right. They come out and they're like, Oh, look at that dog standing tall with the high tail, <laughs> you know, Oh, look at all that. You know, like in Americans, like that cracking tail. I don't. I like a dead tail, a, de- a tail yeah. that doesn't bleed in the woods, right? Yeah. So, yeah. so I like I like a quiet tail, but you know, I, I'm I'm struggling with making my dog right, like my my type of dog, you know, mm-hmm. my brand of dog. But I I got to start with the American dogs, and I'm taking some of this, so I got a little bit of both traits in them, you know. But look at that <laughs> dog; it moves it moves like a spaniel. It's got a cracking tail. It's standing yeah. tall, you know. So. So it's just comical that like they're both like the two continents are complaining about the other's traits right, that they see right. in, in the dogs. And I'm like, well, I'm right where I want to be. I got my hybrid that's that gets the variable pointing style, you know, that, you know, that, you know, working on improving the 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 quiet tail. And it's just funny how, you know, you get you get the criticisms from from different regions of the world. Everybody you know, looks at and, it through their own lens and, yeah. you know, like their own sort of idea of like what they want. And, um, sure. that's not, that's not right for everybody. No, I just feel like I'm in the middle third. I got the third of people that are, you know, you know, 
the anti-American types, the anti-European types. And I'm somewhere in the middle where people just appreciate a dog that can work birds really, really well, no matter how it works it, you know. But yeah, it was a, it was a real experience. I don't know where and when I'll acquire. We'll see how these offspring do. I mean, they've done, they've done well so far. They're all young the first season. Bailey Peterson, good friend of mine, her and her husband has three of my dogs. They have an Adi's older brother. Second time I bred Missy the Duca. So which one is that? Osier. Um, Osier. Osier. Okay. That's what I thought. Yeah. Yeah. So Osier is out of Missy and Duca and he's had a phenomenal first season. So I've been I've been super happy with getting new new tracking blood in here. So maybe I, I might go back and have Andrea help me in the future. You know, find find what I what I'll be looking for. Also trying to establish some connections in Canada. You know, Quebec has obviously a strong French and Italian dog importing relationship. So that might be a lot easier if I can find dogs that kind of meet my needs. Driving to Canada rather than, you know, flying. It was uh, quite the process, you know, getting a dog here from Italy. But it was awesome. The birds are amazing. I I really hope I get to, you know, hunt those birds someday, whether it be I got some invitations to Sweden as well to hunt black grouse up there. So I don't know. We'll see. But I, I, there are really, really, any grouse hunter, any rough grouse hunter that, you know, has the passion that we do would absolutely be head over heels for black grouse hunting they're really cool bird yeah awesome man well we better uh let's let's tease that video video series you're working on and i was curious about that because i i did hear you mention it to nick and as you know and the listeners know i've kind of i record some stuff in my gopro and you capture some cool moments a lot of stuff that really was not necessarily usable and i i mean i just i find it fun to review and go back and look and but it sounds like yeah working on something to try to show some of this stuff that we've been talking about. And we, at the outset of this, we didn't think there was any danger of us interfering with your woods time as it's a cold day and you're going to get a later start (laughs) closer to that now. Cause we've been talking for quite a while. So we'll tease that and uh, we'll wrap it up, buddy. Yeah. So yeah, you know, I, I have, I have a Vimeo series that's kind of directed and geared towards kind of bringing up one of my dogs up to its first hunting season to get a hunt ready and, it covers everything there, but I've been every year I do, I do these grouse dog handler clinics. I usually do two or three of them last two years. I've done three of them and they're really great. They're close intimate. I have like five, six dog teams. Everybody stays together the whole time. And basically I try to teach them as much as I know over a three day event. It's, it's my favorite thing to do with people. All I do it with everybody, not just people that have my dogs. And ultimately this, this video series that I'm working on creating is kind of like that grouse dog clinic, just virtually where I've actually have recordings from that clinic and those lectures and conversations on all the topics. So I got, I have a lot of it done, ready to be plugged into the video library. The biggest thing lacking are the videos of the dogs working. You know, I'm just not a GoPro guy. It always gets smacked off my head no matter what, especially in all those yeah. alders. And but I I did I did put the gun down for a few hunts and I got a couple nice videos again, the ones that I posted. So my goal is to get try to accumulate a couple dozen of those videos and have a talking headpiece at the start of explaining what you're about to watch and then kind of just do a voiceover with that video 
just articulating what they're watching and how they can handle it. And I just got to get some dogs at different points in their experience so people can kind of see how how to handle it. But how how to handle these tracking dogs and true dogs for that matter. I mean, it's it's going to be grouse grouse hunting, grouse hunting yeah. strategy, behavior, habitat, you know, all that kind of stuff. But it's been it's been coming along. I'm hoping to have it done before next hunting season and I'll be it's going to be a living library I'll be adding to it because I certainly will not have nearly as much real time grouse hunting video footage you'll have everything in there leading up to that point in terms of how I do it but I'll you know it's going to be a living library probably forever in terms of adding yeah, yeah. to You're adding to it but more. it's yeah it's my grouse dog handler clinics are like I said they're my I feel it's the greatest asset that I can give anybody. And it's been a real, it's been a lot of fun. I I like working with, with small groups of people like that. And all that information in those three day events is, is what encompasses this upcoming video series. So I'll be posting about it once I actually have it together. And, you know, since the material at the start of when that library membership starts won't be as complete as after we'll say maybe next hunting season and stuff, people will get extended extended membership times and stuff like that once it does become available. But I'm excited about it. It's gonna be it's gonna be really good once I got it all together. Cool. When do you do those clinics in the summer? Yeah, usually August, sometimes into like Labor Day week. Uh, and uh, you should come. Yeah, you should come. Yeah. Yeah, I would, I would, uh, honestly, we would, I would, I wouldn't hesitate to, I'd love to come, come see it and go through the It's a, it's, it's a lot of fun. It's a, it's a, it's a long, grueling TMI three days (laughs) of downloading, you know, information, but it's a lot of fun and people learn a lot. And I always tell everybody it's like, I just like rattled off everything that it includes, but it's, it's, Everybody says the same thing. It's absolutely nothing like what they thought it was going to be. Sure. (laughs) You know, so it's cool. It's a lot of fun. And I'm excited to, at some point here in hopefully the not too distant future to, to get that content out. Awesome. Well, I imagine paintriverlewellens.com. That's the place. Yep. 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 Paintriverlewellens.com. You can find it all there and you know, it'll, but definitely for the listeners of these podcasts here, you know, some good videos there with Name and Inami to illustrate what we were talking about. Like, so you can find Dukas there too, just to get a feel for it. And you'll see how each of those three dogs, you know, do, they're all tracking dogs, but they all do it very differently. And that's something that I do hope to share in videos with people more so in the future. And as you've experienced yourself with your dog, Rose, you know, you know, they're, every dog's just a, a little bit different in, in how they do it. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, folks. Well, that's that's it for this edition. Okay, Kyle Warren on the <laughs> podcast. This was this was a blast. You know where to go. Find all of the some of the resources and information we mentioned. Kyle's on on Instagram and social media, so check check that out as well. But man, I appreciate I appreciate your knowledge, your passion, and of course taking the time to come and chat with us. I always I do enjoy this. So we'll set the set the timer for a, another two years and. We'll, we'll have you back on unless I can sneak out to one of those clinics. I'd love to do that as well, but we'll keep in touch as yeah. always. Yeah, yeah, you bet, buddy. Appreciate it. All right, man. Hang on with me for just a second. That does it for this episode of the Birdshot Podcast. Thanks for joining us, everybody. 
Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Birdshot Podcast presented by Onyx Hunt, Final Rise, and Upland Gun Company. Don't forget to rate, review, subscribe, and share. And if you really love the show and want to contribute above and beyond what you already do by listening, you can sign up at patreon.com forward slash birdshot. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you on the next episode of the Birdshot Podcast. Onyx Hunt is the number one hunting GPS app. Join millions of other hunters who trust Onyx Hunt to find more game, discover new access, and hunt smarter. Onyx Hunt shows you nationwide public and private land boundaries. They've got topographic and 3D maps. You can track your route, location, and elevation profile. You can save maps for offline use and take Onyx Hunt with you wherever you go. The most comprehensive hunting tool you'll own Download the Onyx Hunt app today and use the promo code BSP20 to save 20% on your next Onyx Hunt subscription. Know where you stand with Onyx. Hey everyone, this is Nick from the Gundog It Yourself podcast. If you enjoyed this show, then you might want to check out my show as well. We highlight and break down the ins and outs of training your own hunting dog. Whether it's a bird dog or even the occasional hound dog episode, we cover all topics related to hunting dogs. Check out Gundog It Yourself on any podcast streaming platform and hit the subscribe button to be sure not to miss any future episodes.